Christiformity, it's what it's all about. Years ago, Faith Hill, incredible country and pop artist, had a song called The Secret of Life. Secret of Life, she said, is a good cup of coffee. Secret of Life is a good conversation. All of these things would be the secret of life. But I'm here to tell you today, the secret of the Christian life is Christiformity. The secret of the Christian life is becoming more like Jesus. I think often we have these why questions in our lives. You may have asked them before. I know I certainly have. I'll ask, why is this happening in my life? Why is this part of my life hard? Why is this relationship difficult? Why did I have to go through that situation? Sometimes I even ask, why did that good thing happen to me? Why did I have that success? I, I, I didn't see that coming. All of life's ups and downs, if you're a Christian, are headed in one direction. God's using it all in the great tapestry of our lives. Like a great blacksmith in a blacksmith shop, God is using the circumstances of our lives to bend us, shape us, and mold us to lay us across the anvil of the blacksmith shop and hammer out who we are. And he's not doing this haphazardly, cavalierly. He's not doing it randomly. He has a plan, a blueprint in mind. And what is that? He's making us more like Jesus. And as we have explored this idea in the New Testament, we continue to look at some of these verses. And I want to read one that we read a few weeks ago again to us today, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. It says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now today, I want us to look at that verse again because it does indeed tell us that God is shaping us into the image of Christ. But I want you to notice something important here. It says, and we all... That we all is very important because what that tells you is that this Christiformity thing certainly has an individual aspect, but equally it has a communal aspect. We are not made to do life alone. And ultimately, the idea of Christiformity, us becoming more like Jesus, happens best in a community. See, what we're going to learn today is that you are saved and redeemed as an individual, but you grow and mature as a group as a community. And that's what we're going to find today. At Three Circle Church, we have a saying, we say it like this, the best dirt to grow a disciple in is the dirt of community. It's the best way to grow a disciple. It's the best way to grow a Christian. Now see, in our culture, we greatly value and even promote the idea of individualism. Making life all about you, making life about your success, what you want, what you want to do. And that, that very strong push and pull towards individualism in our culture uh, often keeps us uh, from having the types of communities within the church that God called us to have, the types of communities and environments where Christians can grow best and mature. And see, what we learned last week, and we'll repeat it again today, is that vertical Christiformity, knowing who God is, and then finding out who we are in Him, that vertical nature always goes horizontal. It always leads to horizontal Christiformity, really important for us to understand. So that we all in that verse that we just read, it reminds us of this. You and I, we as Christians, we are made for community and relationships. You see, Christiformity requires something. It requires communities for all of us, communities where we can best grow spiritually, relationally, so that we can grow in our maturity in Christ. Today, we're going to look at why we all need community to reach and to pursue Christiformity.
years ago, uh, widely considered one of the best actors in the world, Tom Hanks, played a part that he is remembered for. Uh, one of his most famous roles was in the movie Castaway. I love the movie. It's an incredible performance from Tom Hanks. And the thing about it is he's all alone on an island. If you've never seen the movie, Tom Hanks plays the part of a man who works for FedEx. He lives in Memphis, but he's on a, a flight across the world, and he's over a part of the Pacific Ocean that is vast and unknown, and they have a plane crash. The plane goes down, and he is the lone survivor from the plane crash. He ends up on a deserted island. There's no one there and he has to survive on that island. And he does many things to survive. And you can see the hardship, loses tons of weight. He has to learn how to you know, eat coconut and fish with sticks and spears. He has to learn how to build fires in the wilderness of this island. It is an incredible story. But one thing you see that becomes an essential for the character Tom Hanks is playing is that he needs community. There comes a moment in this story where he realizes that he is losing the very thing that makes him human. He has no one to talk to, no one to have community with. So you know, you know what he does? Community became so important to the character in Castaway that he made one up. He made a fake community. He literally takes a volleyball and takes the blood off his hand and paints onto that volleyball a face. If you remember, he famously named the volleyball Wilson. Wilson became Tom Hanks' friend. And it's humorous, but it's also very powerful because you see throughout that movie that Tom Hanks rests and leans on for his very survival, his interaction with what was not even a real person. But it gave him the idea. It gave him the, the concept, the feeling of community. And you and I are in many ways the same. We are trying to survive life, and sometimes it's really hard. And often we try to do it alone, but you weren't made to do it alone. And what I would say to you today is, thankfully, you and I, if you're watching this right now, anywhere in the world, you probably have better options than turning a volleyball into your community. I bet you have people around you. I bet you have people who love God, who want to follow God that maybe you could get to know. So what I would say to you today is we need to learn to value community in our lives. So instead of taking a volleyball, let's take a trip on looking at what the Bible teaches us about the value of community. So the Bible has a lot to say about this piece, this part of Christiformity. Christiformity, which starts vertical, always goes horizontal. We learned last week that we need to learn to love others. But today we're talking about the idea of community, that Christians grow best, mature best. We form into the image of Christ best in community. The Bible has a lot to say about it. Let's look at one of my favorite verses about it. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron. Now that is a blacksmith shop if I've ever seen one, right? The Bible's letting you know now that when you end up in the blacksmith shop of God and you do that by faith in Jesus, only one way to get into that blacksmith shop, only one way to have your life shaped by God, and it's by faith in Jesus, by His grace, you become a Christian. And when that happens, He goes to work on you. But one of the ways He works on our characters, bending us, sharpening us, changing us, is He uses others in our lives. Here's, here's the thing that you've probably seen before. Did you know that you can sharpen blades by taking another piece of metal and, and hitting the blade with it? 
Two pieces of metal hitting one another in the right way can actually sharpen one another. And that's the exact idea that the Bible's giving you here. The idea of metalworking, the idea of sharpening one another, but it cannot happen in isolation. In the blacksmith shop of God, God has designed the Christian experience to be a one another experience. We are to shape each other, help each other, hold each other accountable, encourage one another, all the while sharpening the image of Christ in our lives. This is how God has designed us. See, God designed His blacksmith shop with relationships in mind. At the end of the day, what this teaches us is that we need each other. We need each other to become what God has created, created us in Christ Jesus to be. Now, Christiformity is all about us becoming more like Jesus. In other words, we are to imitate Him. So to imitate Jesus, we've learned that we have to love others. But did you know that Jesus Himself, He had a community. Jesus placed His own life in the middle of community. He was intentional about it. Now, if anyone could have ever lived life on their own, if anyone had everything they needed all by themselves, it was Jesus. Jesus could have pulled the castaway act off. He could have been just fine on a deserted island because He had everything He needed. He knew who He was, all power, all authority. But Jesus modeled for us living the Christiformity life in community. In fact, let me just read to you the place that tells us that one of the first things Jesus did before He started His ministry was He started His community. In Luke 6, 12 through 16, it says this, In these days Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night He continued in prayer to God. Now what was He praying about all night? We find out in the next verse. And when day came, He called His disciples, and He chose from them twelve whom He named apostles, Simon, whom He named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And right there, we see that Jesus, before He started His ministry, before He started preaching, Jesus was baptized. He went into the wilderness, tempted by Satan, overcame the devil in the wilderness, comes back, prays all night long, and then He forms His community. The community that He's going to spend the next three and a half years with. The community that He's going to turn the world upside down with. So let's take a few moments now and let's examine the community of Jesus. So let's take a few minutes now and look at the community that Jesus developed, that He chose, that He nurtured, that He lived His life within, this community of 12 people. The first thing I want you to understand about the community of Jesus is that Jesus could have done life alone, but He chose community. You need to understand that. Jesus actually was intentional about it. So I think sometimes we, we wonder if friendships and relationships in Christian communities is just going to fall in our laps. But it actually takes us being intentional. Jesus obviously prayed, and then the Bible says He chose His community. What we have here is the idea of intentionality. So Jesus didn't just wait for community to come to Him. He created community around Him. And that is something that you and I need to model in our lives. If we're going to imitate Jesus, then we're going to become intentional about placing our own lives in community. And if there's not one, we create one. That's what Jesus did. He chose, created, formed, and nurtured a community around Him. Himself. He also prayed. Secondly, Jesus prayed about who His community would be. This is important. The Bible says He prayed all night long. So He understood the crucial nature of His community. 
And this should teach us something. The community you choose to grow in uh, is so very important. Not only the church you attend, we're going to talk about that later in the Christiformity series, but today I want to talk about the, the people you choose. And Jesus had 12. The smaller group of people that you choose to do life with, you need to be intentional about it. You don't need to be living life alone, but also you need to be careful about who you hitch your life to, if you will. You need to be careful who you're running with. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that uh, people who walk with the wise become wise, but people who walk with fools suffer harm. Now, that's Hebrew parallelism. It's a powerful way of teaching in the Proverbs. But what it tells you is, I want you to hear this. If you walk with wise people, you become more like them. That's the power of community. Let me show you the negative impact that, that the wrong community can have. It says here that if you walk with fools, not that you'll become fools. Worse, you will suffer harm. So picking the wrong community to be in can actually damage your life. But choosing the right community can absolutely lead to transformation in your life. So the question is today, are you intentional about community? And have you chosen the right community, the right people to be around you in your life? And then finally, this is important for you and I to understand. Jesus had an imperfect community. Did you see that list I just read to you? If you know anything about the New Testament, you know that this was not the cream of the crop, if you will, of the religious people of the day. They were fishermen. They were country boys. Uh, one uh, definitely had some racial tendencies. Uh, he, he, he didn't like people that weren't just like him. These were people who were imperfect that Jesus is going to transform. And if you notice the last one, the last one on the list, I love the honesty of the Bible. The Bible lets you know that Jesus' very own community had one guy who was going to betray him and stab him in the back, Judas Iscariot, famously. So what do you see here? You see here that if you're going to imitate Jesus... You don't go out and look for the perfect community because there's not one. There's going to be people in your community who's going to fail, who's going to mess up. They're not going to be perfect, so that's not what you're looking for. What you're looking for are people who desire to be more like Jesus and they desire for you to be more like Jesus. Jesus had a community, but it was not a perfect one, and yours will not be either. So don't let an imperfect community keep you from ever having one. Don't let your pursuit of the perfect people to be around you in your life keep you from ever having a community at all. Jesus prayed about his community. He chose his community, and it was an imperfect one. But it was his community, and you need one as well. Now, let's take a look a little more at the community of Jesus and how we can imitate it. Let's check it out right now. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the function of the community that Jesus formed. So we see where he formed it. But now what did they do? What did these guys do together? They're going to be together for three and a half years. And what we're going to see is a few things. We're going to list them now. The first thing they did is that they spent consistent time together. If you study the New Testament, you'll see that Jesus is always with his disciples. He's always around them. They're traveling all over Galilee and the entire region. Uh, they are together. And not only that, it's consistent. So again, if we're going to imitate the community of Jesus in our Christiformity, one thing about it is he had consistent time with his community. It wasn't haphazard. It wasn't every once in a while. There was a consistency to the time they spent together. Secondly, Jesus in his community, uh, this group of guys, they experienced God together. If you look through the Gospels, you'll see that they experienced wonders and they experienced the power of God. They experienced the miracles of God. 
Uh, they experience watching the blind see and the deaf hear. They watch the dead raised. They watch this powerful teaching of Jesus, truth come to life. They watch the light bulb going off in, in people's minds. They could see it happening at places like the Sermon on the Mount and other great times that Jesus taught. They watched and experienced the love of Jesus as He forgave them and was compassionate with them. They together began to see Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of God. They experienced God together. And a Christian community does that. See, you can have a community that just kind of does life together. You can have a community where you go to Bama games or Auburn games or wherever you might be in the world right now. You can have a community that likes uh, food and you're foodies and you go to great restaurants and you make charcuterie boards at your home. And, and maybe you're in a community where you like wine and you're big wine people. Or maybe you're in a community that likes sports and you go to sporting events. Or maybe you're a hunter and you got a bunch of buddies that you go and hunt. I don't know what your community is. And all of those things are good and they're wonderful gifts from God. But Christian community, Christiformity community, we experience God together. We do that together by reading His Word, by praying together, by being a part of a church together. Christian community is distinct in that you experience God together. That was true of the community of Christ. Thirdly, they learned truth together. The disciples learned the truth. They learned the truth about the Bible. Jesus was unveiling to them what the Bible meant. They understood. And when Jesus said, you've heard it said this, but I say to you this, Jesus was upping the ante, if you will, on the Christian experience. They learned the truth together. Can you imagine sitting at the feet of Jesus? I'm sure they would look at each other with wide eyes and wonder in their face as they, as they understood things for the first time. As the light bulbs were going off, they were being changed. Every single day, they learned truth together. Fourthly, they did ministry together. A Christian community will not only learn the truth together and, and grow in the truth together, they will also do ministry together. Uh, Jesus once sent the disciples out into towns to heal and to preach. Jesus didn't baptize people. He let His disciples do that. They did ministry together. Uh, they watched the feeding of the 5,000. All of these things they did together. They actually did something Christian community, really good Christian Christiformity communities will actually do ministry together, not just learn the truth, but actually live out the truth in their lives. Not only that, but they also dealt with conflict together. I want you to understand that they didn't always get along perfectly. There's plenty of times where they did not get along. There was certainly an argument between uh, the disciples over who was going to be first, who was going to sit at the right hand of Christ in heaven. There were all of these things. They, they could get angry with each other, frustrated with each other, right? And they learned to handle conflict together. In fact, it was in the middle of one of these conflicts, Jesus taught them that when there's conflict, if you will do it God's way, He famously said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be. And a lot of people think that just means worship services. If we're together, God's here. There's a truth to that. But the exact uh, context for that verse was Jesus was teaching them how to handle conflict. It's a part of the human experience, and Christian communities will inevitably have some conflict, and that's okay. We learn to deal with it in a Christiformity way. This is part of God sharpening us. Two pieces of metal coming together, iron sharpens iron. Not only that, they also faced hardship together. They faced persecution. They were afraid together. They knew that their lives were at stake at some point. They faced cold nights and hungry days. All of those things happened. Jesus had to remind them once that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of God has no place to lay His head. He was trying to tell them, hey, it's going to be tough uh, for you. Jesus said, if they persecute me, if they turn on me, they're going to turn on you. 
Jesus warned them of this, and the disciples as a community experienced that together. And the beauty of Christian community is you go through the inevitable hard times in life, even suffering, you do that together, and it is a powerful thing to do that together. Also, they failed together. They failed together. They collectively had their moments of disbelief. Uh, They let Jesus down. It was a group of them that Jesus asked to pray with Him and for Him the night before He died. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came to them and they had fallen asleep. And He woke them up and asked them, Can you not pray with me for just a little while? And you know what they did? They went back to sleep again. And I'm sure that they forever remembered that. But they failed. And they failed together in a group. And they learned that they could depend on Jesus' forgiveness. They could repent. They learned these things together. And then finally, they also triumphed together. They had some big victories together, didn't they? And and obviously, after the resurrection and then the... Uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, these, these men went out and they turned the world upside down. They had some big wins. Once Jesus sent them out to do ministry and they came back so excited, they came back and said, Jesus, the, the, the demons are being cast out and, and, and the, the sick are being healed. They were so excited. There were great moments of triumph. All of these things we can see in the community that Jesus led, formed, and lived His life within. You and I need a community too. And our communities, if they look like the community of Christ, are going to look like this too. We're going to win together, fail together, learn God's forgiveness together, learn to conflict with one another in a godly way, learn truth together. All these things are going to be a part of a Christian community. It's a beautiful thing, but it does cost us. It takes sacrifice. It takes intentionality. So once again, the question today is, do you value Christian community and are you a part of one? Very important to understand. And it's also important to understand that you're not created for isolation. You and I are not created for isolation. So I want to take a few moments to tell you why isolation is so very dangerous. I was reading a book once about war hero, great American, senator, and presidential nominee, Uh, and candidate at one time, John McCain. And Senator John McCain was a war hero. And he was captured, and he was a war captive uh, for the United States, and it was during the Vietnam War, and he was treated horrifically. He was tortured. But one of the biggest things that happened to John McCain is for years he was placed in solitary confinement. He was totally isolated. And this is what he said. He said, I would have rather had the worst companion than no companion at all. John McCain said this about isolation. He said, It crushes your spirit and it weakens your resistance more effectively than any other form of mistreatment. Now that is pretty powerful. Not only that it comes from John McCain, a war hero, it's even more powerful when you realize what they had done to him physically. John McCain would bear the scars of his torture the rest of his life, maimed, beaten over and over again. But John McCain said by far, The hardest thing he faced was the isolation. The isolation. Listen, you were not created for isolation. It goes against every grain that God has created inside of you. In fact, as our military have done testing on people that that suffered the way McCain did in uh, terrible isolation, they found this. Military testing has shown that long-term solitary confinement, check this out, caused brainwave abnormalities similar to significant head injuries. Now, that's just astounding. And what it tells you is is the very core, your very chemical makeup as a human 
was meant and made and created for community, not isolation. And it's amazing to me that with all of that, knowing all of that, often we still choose to live in isolation. Remember, Jesus could have chosen isolation, but instead He chose community, went after it, formed it, went and picked guys to be in His community, invited them in, called them. He, he, he put forth a lot of effort for His community. We should as well because, listen, isolation is not just a choice. It is dangerous. It's a dangerous choice. Let me tell you some of the dangers of isolation right now. First of all, isolation is the opposite of God Himself and His purposes for us. Did you know the Bible tells us that our God is the great triune God? We're Trinitarian at Three Circle Church, meaning that when we say the word God, we mean God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. God Himself, the great triune God, one God, three persons, lives in community, the ultimate holy community, forever and ever, the joy of the Godhead, this community. God Himself is relational. The Bible tells us that He has created us in His image. In His image, He created them male and female, meaning all of us humans have intrinsic dignity because we're created in the image of God. And since we're created in His image, since He Himself is relational, to live in isolation and choose that as the way you would live would be totally opposite to God Himself and the way He created you. That is dangerous. Secondly, isolation is dangerous because it removes accountability from your life. Listen, I've been a pastor for a long time now, and I can watch this happen. When people get isolated from other believers, they lose their accountability. Then there's no one checking up on them. There's no one sharpening them. Iron sharpens iron. But if there's only one piece of metal, it gets dull really fast. And what I see is the great dulling of Christians when they live in isolation, when they choose to break away from their Christian community, when they choose to stop going to church, when they choose to stop being a part of a small group, when the pandemic hits and it's hard and they don't make the choices to find a way, even if it's online and digital or if it's even a phone call, to stay connected somehow to community. When those uh, lines of communication begin to break and you become isolated, I see it happen all the time. You begin to lose accountability. And do you know what a loss of community Grace and truth-based accountability leads to, it leads to sin. It leads to great failure and great sin. I've watched it happen so many times with Christians around me. And I know that the danger would be there for me as well. It's why everywhere my wife and I have lived, we immediately form a community. Because I understand that it is dangerous for me, and I know that it is dangerous for you to not live in community. We need each other. We need the accountability to fight sin, not on our own, to fight it together. Thirdly, isolation makes it impossible for us to live out the commands for the church. The New Testament is loaded with commands, and one of the great commands that you'll hear over and over in different ways is what we call the one another's. Love one another, care for one another, honor one another, encourage one another. Guess what? You can't do those things without another. you got to do it with one another. Can't sharpen the iron without two pieces of metal. We were made for this. The Bible says that, uh, that if we will stay in community, we can overcome. The Bible lets us know that if someone's alone and they fall, that's a bad thing. But if someone is with others when they fall, they have someone to pick them back up. 
We need one another so very much, and it is important that we stay in community because the Bible calls us to do some things that we simply can't do without a community. But in a community, we can forgive one another. In a community, we can encourage one another. We can love one another. We can pray for each other. All of these things happen within community. And then finally, isolation is dangerous because it leaves us vulnerable to attack. Listen, have you ever watched Discovery Channel? I love the outdoors and I love animals. And I've watched Discovery Channel before where there'll be an animal, like a buffalo or an antelope, and they know they need to be with the herd. And as long as they're with the rest of their community, their herd, they're safe from predators. But there's always that one animal that ends up out on its own. Sometimes they choose it out of just hunger and they weren't paying attention. Other times it just happens accidentally. But you know what happens when that one animal becomes isolated from the rest of the pack, the rest of the herd? They become vulnerable to attack, and that is the one. The lion, the tiger, the hyena, these great apex predators, they're not going to attack the whole herd very seldom. That's too much work, too dangerous for them. So they wait. They wait, and they watch for one to come on their own. The Bible tells us to be sober, be vigilant, for our adversary, the devil, roars about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy wanting to pick us off. And one of the great protections we can have against the attacks of the enemy is to stay in Christian community because when we become isolated, we become vulnerable to attack. So isolation is not just a bad choice. It's a dangerous choice. And it's crucial that we as Christians stay in community and that we avoid the dangers of isolation. So what we've seen today is that Jesus himself had a community. And if we're going to imitate him, which is what Christiformity is all about, then we're going to need a community too. And we've learned the importance of that community. And we've learned the dangers of not having one, the dangers of isolation. I want to show you one more verse that really helps us understand this powerful aspect of Christiformity. It is in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Listen to what it says. It says, let us, there's that word us again, not let me, let you, let us. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love, and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I love that. That is a community verse. That's a Christiformity verse. First of all, this verse teaches us this. We must have a community that propels our Christiformity. That's what it says here. It says we need to consider how we can stir one another up. Uh, to love and good works. That means how can we push one another to Christiformity? Not just hang out, but find ways when we get together to encourage one another towards Christ. That's what a Christian community does. It says here too that we need to be consistent. The second thing is we must be consistent. This can't be just something we do every now and then. We need to get a community to be consistent with it. That's where the magic happens. It says here in verse 25, don't neglect to meet together as some do. Now, this isn't just talking about church, and that's important, but it's also talking about your small group of people that you're together with. And sometimes all you can do, depending on the circumstances with the pandemic, sometimes all you can do is have a Zoom call. All you can do is get on the phone and talk. But that's better than nothing. In fact, I would say it's great. It's a great way to communicate. It's a great way to keep from being isolated. But you need to be consistent. The Bible warns us here that some fall into the trap of isolation, don't let that be you. And then finally, I think something we see here is that good communities, good Christiformity communities are full of people who are givers more than they are takers. But what you see here is 
kind of an admonition to all of us that we should encourage one another. That's huge. Like, don't just wait to be encouraged, but be encouraging to the people in your group. Find ways to spur them and encourage them on. And that means a lot of grace. Sometimes truth, yeah. Sometimes you got to be honest, confront one another, hold each other accountable. But a lot of encouragement, a lot of cheering each other on, a lot of calling and letting people know you're praying for them, that you love them. This is, this is a beautiful part of the Christian community. So today I would ask you this. Do you value Christian community in your life? And if you do value it, are you a part of one? And if you don't have Christian community, what steps are you going to take to find a way to be a part of Christian community? Now, if you're watching this right now, we want you to know that we want to help you do that. So at the end of our teaching, you're going to hear some ways in which you can link arms with us and that we can help you find a way, wherever you are, to be a part of Christian community. We want to make that happen for you. Don't let another day go by that you don't begin to lean into community in your Christian walk, in your journey with Jesus, in your pursuit of Christiformity because it is so very important. Uh, here's what I would say to you. I would say that it was so important to Tom Hanks that he made one up. He went out and he made some community. What I would say to you today is you can do way better than a volleyball. You're probably not on a deserted island watching this right now, so I would ask you, why not make community an important part of your life? It literally is a part of your humanity. It's how God made you in His image. So pursue Christiformity. Part of that's going to be you being a part of Christian community.